What's up, everybody? It's Lee. Some of you might know me as Intuition, and you're tuned into Kinda Neat. Thank you guys for tuning in again. I appreciate it. Every Wednesday, we're here. You can find us. We live on the internets. And we're happy that you found us. Follow me on Twitter at It's Intuition. Follow my man, Ben Shim, behind the boards making the shit sound buttery at I Am Database, based with two S's. You can follow us as a unit on at That's Kind of Neat. We're trying to break our 500 Twitter follower barrier. Help us out. I don't tweet that much. I won't bug your timeline. You'll just know when the new episodes are out. So go ahead and press that follow button. You can follow us on Facebook as well, which is the most carefree way to like something. You just press that like button and you will probably never see a post from us because you probably have 25,000 friends on Facebook or something. And uh, all of them are posting about their woes and their parking tickets and the government shutdown and other such things. You can find us on YouTube.com slash That's Kind of Neat, where you're going to see a video of our guest today, Mike Eagle, performing. I believe the song is called Degrassi Picture Day, and it's one of my favorite songs. I'm horrible with song titles, but it's like literally one of my favorite songs of his. I, I fucking can't speak highly enough about the song. And uh, you can find everything wrapped up in a pretty package on kindaneat.net. Oh, yeah. So the other day, we tried to go to Low End Theory last week, uh, me and Jonathan, dumbfounded, we went and had dinner and because uh, he lives right down the street. So we had dinner at this place called Gabby's and then we were going to go to low end theory. And then right as right as we start to leave, he's checking his Twitter and uh, sees a tweet from Flying Lotus that says, well, it looks like the show is canceled. Sorry, guys. And we're like, what the fuck? And then we start seeing other tweets pouring in talking about like, yo, there's a riot at low end theory. Like shit's going crazy. People are on top of cars. The riot police are out and like the SWAT team is out and the, the police have shields and shit. And we start seeing pictures of like helicopters and stuff. And we had just barely gotten on the freeway and we're like, oh, fuck. Well, we might as well go anyway and just see what all the hullabaloo is about. So we went there and we got there right in time to see like all the, the police just clearing everything out. And it was crazy as fuck. There was like three helicopters. It looked like something out of Grand Theft Auto or something. It was really crazy. Um, but yeah, so that night we were like, oh, well, this is a bust, but what are you going to do? We went to Cha Cha Lounge after me, No Can and Dumb. And it was nice to be around, uh, you know, I always kick it with those guys individually now, but we've known each other for a long time and we rarely like kick it as a group anymore. And so it was cool to be out with them. And then all of a sudden, you know, James was like, I need to do something next Sunday for daylight at the Echoplex. And we just got to talking and we're like, well, fuck it. Why don't we just do like kind of a almost reunion show? Cause dumb Mike, no can and myself toured together in 2010 it's a tour that we kind of refer to now lovingly as the Miraculous Rap Forest Tour. Somehow, somehow when we were driving through like the woods of Washington or Oregon, we started like freestyling about squirrels rapping in the woods and shit. It was like we were trying to be as nerdy as we possibly could. And, and someone said, uh, you know, we're in the Miraculous Rap Forest. And then that became like a freestyle hook. And, and we look lovingly back on that tour. And this is the first show that we're going to have played together since we all toured together back then. And so I think it'll be good. Like it's cool. Cause since then in 2010, we've all kind of gone our like individual routes, but still remained tied to one another through connections and, and mutual camaraderie and respect. By the time this podcast comes out, the show will have already taken place. And if you came, I thank you. Uh, that's what she said. <laughs> Take that out. Ben. <laughs> Or leave it. I don't give a fuck. Anyways, uh, yeah, so if you came, thank you. We appreciate it. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to the show. And I was really stoked to have uh, Mike on the show today. Mike is Open Mike Eagle. He's one of my favorite friend rappers, meaning like he's a dude that I know in real life and we kick it occasionally. He also lives down the street, so I don't see him as much as I probably should. But he is one of the busiest men in indie rap. He works so hard and, um, you know, puts out just a lot of amazing music. He's put out an album every year since 2010. He's put out like, I think, five or six EPs and all of them are really good. He's my friend that like I download all his music that he puts out and I keep it on my iTunes. I don't end up deleting it. It stays on there and I listen to him 
you know, Mike is also somebody who he's such a well-spoken and interesting dude that he gets invited onto a shit ton of podcasts. So he does shots fired with no can and Jeff Weiss a lot. He's like basically their third co-host. Uh, almost he he's on just about every other episode. Uh, keep it a hundred. So you can hear him on there a lot. He also has done what the fuck with Mark Marin, which is kind of like, I unabashedly admit that I stole his format for this. I look up to Mark Marin and respect him quite a bit. And I think he's a great interviewer. And so he was on Mark Marin, which was awesome to hear him on there. And so going into this podcast, I was somewhat intimidated about like, hmm, how do I fucking interview Mike in an informed way without just doing my standard fare of like, oh, what were you like as a kid? And what were you like in high school? And what happened then? Like it, rather than going through a linear history, we kind of just start off shooting the shit about like what's going right and what's going wrong in our careers. And I thought it was pretty interesting. He's got some really cool ideas. And we talk about, you know, the gatekeepers and the patrollers of hip like who decides what is hip and such. And, you know, Mike and I are essentially the same age and it's easy for dudes like us who have been doing it for as long as we have to kind of uh, be jaded about it. And perhaps we are a little bit, but at the same time, we're still look at this shit lovingly and we still put our hearts into it. And uh, it was a good conversation and I, and I liked where it went and I hope that you guys have a good time listening to it. So without further ado, I'm going to get into the conversation with uh, Mike Eagle and uh, make sure you guys check out MikeEagle.net and check out his music. If you haven't heard his music, he's someone who he's somebody who I've been pushing for the longest. Like he is so good and uh, so funny and so clever in his music and melodic, a good singer, all that stuff. I can't say enough kind words. And, uh, you know, also to keep it 100, he has essentially uh, helped me create the blueprint of what is kind of neat now, because back when we were doing the Knocksteady thing, he was the first ever podcast that I did. So this has come full circle. He's the first ever podcast interview that I did uh, when we used to call it Knocksteady Fridays rather than Knocksteady Live. At the time, we didn't think of making video content for the performances back then on Knocksteady Live. It hadn't fully developed into what it became. So one week we were short on content. And I was like, you know what? Mike never, um, we never put out a video for Mike and he was our first podcast. Why don't we have him come in? He's got this one song that is so amazing live. It's probably even better than it is on his actual record. Like, why don't we just have him come in here and perform that as a one take? So it's like, it'll be 20 minutes of work and we'll get this great video. And then we did that and it like skyrocketed it and it became this phenomenon. And I was like, Whoa, we need to like do all of our videos this way. And that became our new blueprint. And that then became what is kind of neat now. So all praises due to Mike rant finished. Let's get into the conversation. Here is Mike. Eagle. You're nervous. Um, You're making me no, nervous. No, 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 no. I'm not like you got your shades on and a tie on it. I feel like very uh I feel very you intimidated feel un- by, by someone that I've known for fucking seven years or eight years now. I feel very intimidated because you're like a podcast pro now. No, I'm not. You do more podcasts than I do. I've only done like three. But you're or ba- five or something. You like do that. the important ones. I did WTF and uh, and I did Shots Fire and those two are awesome. You're like and the Baron co-host of really Sh- dope. You're like the co-host of Shots Fire. I am point. third chair. Yeah. I'm not afraid to tell anybody I'm yeah. third chair of Shots Fire. Totally. It's like, oh wait, we we have a random guest. Let's get Mike in here too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm down with that. I love it. Did you hear the Eric Andre one? I didn't. I don't. Oh Lord. No shots fired, but I don't really listen to shots fired like I can that. Dig it. I don't, you know, I've only listened to yours once and it's not that I don't want to. No, I, know. I just don't, you know, it's Exa- hard. It's hard. To it is hard to balance to so much yeah. stuff. And plus like, you know, you're part of all this and like you all know all these people already or most of them. So it's but like, that's, you know, that's the interesting thing too, is that the one that I did listen to was you and Blackhead. And I thought that was great. Cause it's like two guys I know talking. And yeah. That, was, that, one, that was really awesome. That was know? a fun one for me. Because like I wouldn't listen to you with most people that I don't friends. know. You know what I mean? Like, like I just I wouldn't. No, I don't know what you mean. Please explain. No, I, w- I wouldn't like. Well, serious. Like you know, you have a lot of guests on that I'm not just. I'm just not too um, interested in. I guess interest. Yeah. Interested makes it sound like kind of condescending, but like it's not that I have anything against them. It's just not, I wouldn't choose my time listening to them talk. Cause right. I, you know, because I don't really. Right. I'm not well, because you have your own. You probably have your own means and methods of finding out about new artists that you uh, are interested in. Whereas, you know, some people use this as this is their some some people's information. What source. is it like meeting these people, though? Is it? It's is cool, it, man. Are any of them a jerk? And you don't have to say who, but are any of them a jerk? <sighs> Like, you ever had a long conversation with somebody who was a jerk in I here? think you're the 35th guest. That's a lot. And I think that 
there's been maybe one or two people that were like kind of jerkish, but even they were pretty nice. Okay. But like the type where like, you know, you see him again after and they don't remember you. See, that's bullshit. I don't see, like that. See, uh, that's that, you know, honestly, and I thought about this a lot. That was like probably after like, okay, I'm thinking, I think about the WTF thing a lot mm-hmm. and it was hard. Like it was hard driving up there. Like, mm-hmm. It was hard. Like, you know, I'm like, I don't know what this is about to be. I really don't even know why this dude is going to let me up here and talk. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it was a lot of mental pressure or whatever. But then like you have a hour and a half conversation with somebody and then like afterwards you feel like you kind of know them. Yeah. You know what I mean? And That's I, the thing. It's like after I do these, I really feel like some of some of these podcasts get really fucking deep and yeah, intimate. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, 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 and I'm yeah. like, whoa, we just like bonded. Like I almost cried with you. Yeah. And a couple of them, it's literally been like oh, I got I choked it. up. You I know? believe it. And then so to ever have a conversation like that and then and then the next time you see them at the club, they're like, I'm like, hey, what's up? And they're like, uh, yeah, see, that's, that's some bullshit. Weak, dude. That's, that's some bullshit. Weak. But I just imagine like somebody like Marion, I'm guessing it would be starting that way with you, too. I mean. You you start to feel bonded. I would assume oh, absolutely. Like you start to feel like these are people that are yeah, like you kind of in their life or something now. You know what I mean? After talking to them, it's for that a, long. it's a more it's a very concentrated conversation, yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. you get a lot out of an hour that you wouldn't get in normal life. Exactly. You know what I mean? Because it's very rare that you actually sit down and talk to someone for an hour. Absolutely. Like think about how often you even talk to anybody on the phone these days. I don't. Like, I hate talking on the you phone. You know what I'm saying? It's the worst thing in the world. Yes. It's punishment to me. Yeah, yeah. So it's a very like um, it's a very intense boot camp getting to know somebody. But I have you know I have my formulas. I have the shit that I like to ask about because you know I, I think I like to learn about people's um, life in a certain linear way. Are you learning anything about success? from this like from, yes from, like, absolutely what, what that, have you I, I think that i think that uh well first and foremost this is not your interview to interview me i might no, though i'm just kidding that's fine though. i'm down what have i learned about success i've learned that the people that are really doing it here the only fucking theme in their life is hard work right that's it and i mean like i know talking to you you're one of the hardest workers that i know i work hard as hell you work hard as fuck and I it's do. really starting to pay off and the oh, right people are starting God. to notice you in my opinion and i have all i've been saying this for a long time like dude i feel like i'm knocking my head against the wall a lot and it's starting to bug me a lot yeah, i'll tell you I, uh, explain um i just you know to me i'm starting to have a real understanding of platforms mm-hmm. in terms of how music gets released yeah and, and and how high of a platform it's launched off of and i feel like for all the hard work that i'm doing it would pay off a lot more if I were able to launch my music off of a platform that were that was higher. That if I was able to put out music with entities that have more reach, and that's you know what, what I mean? confuses me is because you put out so much quality music. Like I'm not sitting here trying to blow smoke up Mike's ass to the listeners. But there's like, actually five feet between us, guys. Just just so you know, there is. There's but what feet. I'm saying is like. You are one of my You are one of my few friends whose music remains on my iPod and who like That's when it nice, when dude. it comes on I, I don't I don't fast forward it if it comes on on shuffle like I really dig Mike shit and That's you put nice, out so dude. much you're you. so prolific so what I'm wondering is like what have you been learning about like why isn't the higher platform fucking with you because I don't understand it okay okay the general reason it seems to be is that uh every record label is losing money right now all of them like all of them from right. the lab, from the majors to the big indies all the way down to like everybody we know if they're paying any money for like physical manufacturing and like paying a lot for marketing mm-hmm. they're just plain losing money left right. and right and with that climate nobody is really jumping at taking a chance on anyone and and at this point i'm still a chance because i don't have i don't have big numbers you know right. what i mean like i i have i have accolades I have a claim. I have, you know, a bunch of great reviews, a bunch of like... Well, you have friends in high places that love your shit. That's true, too. Journalists love you. Some of them do. Some of them hate me. Some Journalists love, me. love you. I don't... You know what? There are some that hate me, and there are some that love me, Okay, that's fine. Like, yeah. that's cool. Like, that's, that's... And that's better... To be polarizing with journalists is better than not having journalists pay attention to you at all, which yeah, is you my know, case. And, and honestly, I used to think that journalists were a big deal, but they're not. They're not. You know what I mean? Because this is what I've come to find out, too, is that like... Journalists just want to be friends with artists. But this is the thing no matter how much a journalist likes you all of them are trying to get better positions with bigger usually online entities or print entities and what they don't want to do 
is jeopardize their relationship by trying to put on somebody that doesn't have the views or whatever. Exactly. Who's yeah. not going to reward in page views or reward. In, you know what I mean? But and I guess so, what I don't understand is there are people that have similar metrics and similar like views or whatever on YouTube as you and who probably don't make as good of music as you, but who still like big publicity houses are fucking with them. You know what I mean? Like why aren't, I'm just so confused. Like, why aren't the curators at these publicity houses that are like hip and edgy? You mean like the PR places? Yeah, PR. Well, people. that's money. That's just straight up money. Like, I could. But there I are, mean, are there honestly, are artists that are on those that can't be making money. Well, they're paying money, is what I'm saying. Regardless of if they're making it or not, yeah. they're not. These PR serve. These people aren't servicing them for free. I, I would refuse to believe that mm-hmm. these, these people would be spending their credibility on artists for free. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I wouldn't believe that personally. You know. Yeah. So I think that's a money thing. I mean, that's a price of entry thing. And like booking agents, dude, you fucking book all your own tours. Like, why aren't like you, you're out here proving your worth? Like, I don't understand why booking numbers. agents. So, yeah, numbers, dude, like if I had a bigger demonstrable fan base, none of that shit would be an issue. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the thing. It's just like I have to think about how to generate that. Do you and feel then, the fan base is catching up? Um, I see increases, but I don't see the acceleration that I want to see three albums in, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? That's, that's what I like, see. But like in the last three years, you put out three albums and probably like five EPs, right? Something like that. It's like, that's, it's so crazy. Like, does it get frustrating for you? Yeah. I'm, I'm frustrated right now. I sit here frustrated. I, and that's not to say I'm not happy. Yeah. Cause I, I'm, I'm definitely better off than I was six months ago. Absolutely. Uh, my business situation is definitely improving and 2014 should be great, but I would, expect or i think i expect it to be further along than i am where do you want to be of it i feel like i should have a booking agent yeah. you know what i mean i have a manager now which is like really helpful um and we're trying to put the pieces together uh i feel like i should have an awesome record deal with somebody like yeah an awesome one i feel yeah. like people still get awesome record deals and i should get an awesome record deal what kind of record deal like with, with what kind of company a major with a big indie a big indie a big indie i want to i want to be with a big indie like I which want, ones which ones do you like sub pop like 4ad matador anti like you know one of the bigger well-established xl xl yeah, yeah like you know one of them a warp or some damn body like you know like that's yeah. that's who i want to be with that's, any of those guys reach out no, they don't. <laughs> I don't think they do that. Um, and I've reached towards some of them and, you know, I've gotten not very much in the way of response. Yeah. Know? It's just not. Um, my situation isn't endearing me to those people just yet. Talk to me about like, what is the difference between like, who are the gatekeepers? Like, who are these people that decide somebody like, uh, for example, like somebody who I whose music I really do like, like King Cruel, like. Explain to me your theories about the gatekeepers and why the gatekeepers you don't think are maybe opening the doors for people like us. Well, okay. One way that I know now looking back that I've definitely, as much as it kind of helped me, it shot me in the foot or held me back some. Yeah. Is that we come from this kind of Project Blow DIY aesthetic thing, which um, is helpful in the sense that it gives you a a good understanding of how the business kind of works. But... um, there's a certain sense of overexposure that happens. Like I did a lot of touring before I even had an album out, which is kind of a good idea and kind of not a good idea. You know, I've had, uh, on one hand, it helps you get your hours up and learn your stage show. Exactly. So yeah, you know, and yeah, so right. I'm tour tight, but But on the other hand, you're not out there selling the merch that you should be selling. It's not even the merch. It's, um, what's the damn thing called? Polestar. You know what I mean? Like I could, I probably have some abysmal shit up there just because I've done some tours that uh that haven't been good every night uh-huh. you know what i mean and yeah. then like i know there are some people who pay attention to shit like that uh-huh. you know i know there are some people who pay attention to how many times like I, we were talking earlier before the uh show started about um internet overexposure and its effect on shows yeah now i don't think it affects shows that much but i think it affects how hip an artist is viewed as Absolute. how fresh and you know and, and i and i gotta you know um I guess in three albums. Eagle put out an album a year since 2010. I didn't put out one this year, but um, there is this thing. I, I was even, you know, I, I did an interview with uh, with Jay from Filler Flavor, um, and it came out today. Yeah, I just read that. Yeah, and I was saying, like, you know, I can definitely tell from Filler. Like, when I used to post something in there, it used to be, like, exciting, you know what I mean, and fresh, and get people to come in, and people would check my thread all the time and see what was up. And it's now it's only kind of just a few, like, I have a niche market there now, you know what I mean, a few people who check with what I do. But it's not the same um, 
the interest level isn't the same. And I think it's because a lot of people have heard something maybe they didn't like or whatever, but they've just decided that they can write yeah. it off. Like they already know what that is. Right. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's that kind of thing. Somebody once told James and James and I had this conversation. No can. Uh, you know, it's like maybe too many people know you or not enough people know you, but like too many people know you, you know what I'm saying? Meaning that like you're in this middle ground and I'm not saying you, I'm talking the hypothetical you, like all of us. Uh It's like, we have enough people that know who we are that a lot of people have a fucking preconceived notion, but not enough people know us to where it's like critical mass. Yeah. And and I think it's just, it's, it's just the, uh, I think there's a lot of hip chasing that goes on, Mm -hmm. you know? And I I think that what I, I say all is to say, I think, DIY, as good as it is, it can shoot your hip in the face. You know what I mean? It could, it can fuck your hip up. Yeah, you know? yeah. And and I think um, you got to get that Bo Jackson hip replacement. There you go. You know, and, and 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 that's possible. The longer that you've been doing it without blowing up, the less hip you get. That's just in a like sense, yeah. Reality. And, and and that so that in a sense that has to be matched with you building an organic fan base, so where it doesn't matter yeah. if you're hip or not, because you got your people that are going to keep you going. Right. You know what I mean? And so, that's the like. I don't think I've concentrated enough on doing that. Like I've done it through touring enough. Like I have pockets of people all over the place. Yeah. But, um, that was the start of a rhyme. <laughs> Alliteration. Not, um, you know, the, the, like you said, the critical mass thing, you know? So here's my thing. Subconsciously or consciously, I kind of disappeared for like the last while. Like I, uh, stopped playing shows for, you know, and I like stopped putting out excessive amounts of, or not, never, not that I ever put out excessive amounts of music, but I stopped like, I just kind of try to disappear for a while and not make myself as available. Do you ever think about disappearing for a while? Um, nope. Um, I don't really have any interest in that only because, uh, like I said, there's the DIY thing and, and my own personal momentum has, you know, it, it has engendered me some things that I can't deny. Like, yeah, you know absolutely. what I mean? That like, you know, I do get promoters hitting me up. Yo, you know, uh, next time you tour, I got X amount of money for you here and it's a good show. And, and, and it's a there there are things that I have to do to keep my personal machine going. And it has gotten better. You know what I mean? Like, absolutely. I've been wa- I always watch like I watch my friends and how they're doing. It. And like I notice you are having a noticeable momentum shift right now. Yeah, to it's, me. it's 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 definitely increasing. Um, but I think the point of where I'm at now is like I have to kind of you know, do the work smart thing with the work hard thing, you know right. what I mean? And try to like, just figure out what the best possible combination of moves is so that I'm not, uh, so I'm not wasting a lot of energy. What do you think? Know? the What do you think are some of the moves that you need to improve upon? I think I have to invest a lot more energy creatively in videos. I would agree to be blunt. I agree. I, mean, I think that's one of few platforms that's available that you can, that, that people can take advantage of on their own. Yeah. And you can be in complete control of that gives results. Yeah. Uh, you know, part of the other thing that, you know, from that DIY mindset is that we tend to concentrate on albums, which is important for a lot of aspects of the industry. But in terms of just, increasing fan base i've seen that the people who invest that same that uh, an increasing amount of energy in videos they seem to actually get that return that's what made a huge difference in my shit in the last year and a half was like stopping worrying about getting an album out and just having the shit on youtube i found that youtube followers are really fucking loyal fans man they're really loyal and they like come out and they support and they fucking spend money they rip your songs off youtube but they still will spend money on other shit right which is dope you know yeah i completely agree how do you feel about like the album do you think it's a dying art form no you know i think 40 minutes of good listening from you as an artistic statement still has a lot of merit i agree i mean and so um yeah i I don't think it's dying I, i think um you know i think we all have to be a little bit more flexible in our thinking and understanding now that a lot of people are going to consume songs One individually. But I mean, you know, a lot of people are going to give you that 40 minutes when your album drops, mm. you know, mm-hmm. totally. and, and, you know, from somebody who has released a handful of albums and a handful of EPs, I do see that a lot of entities treat an album differently. You know, when you give them that 40 minutes, there's a little bit more reference that goes along with it. People spend more time listening to it, spend more time writing about it, spend more time telling other people about it. It's an easier method to pass along to friends as well. Yeah, I guess maybe. I guess they just get, you know, as as you've invested more in it, they invest more in it, too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what, do you have like a favorite album of yours? Like all time? Yeah, sure. Uh, no, no, of yours. Like, oh, of mine. Of yours. Um, is there one of your babies that is that is your favorite progeny? 
I would say that I have the best relationship now with the Natural Causes album. I have, yeah. That's the one I have the best relate. I don't. I wouldn't say that's the best one, but that's the one I have the best relationship with. That's the yeah. one that I don't cringe when I put it on. I can kind of just vibe with it the most. What do you cringe when you put on? Uh, the first one. The first one. Uh, it's called you know unapologetic. unapologetic. Rap. Really? Uh, it's yeah. I like it's that. I like it a lot, but. I have been, you know, just like any artist does over the course of their career, they kind of figure out recording. Yeah. And I look, listen back to that album, and I'm like, man, I did a lot of things uh, recording-wise that um, were, you know, it was just a document of me trying to figure things out. Yeah. So there's like, I think there's a lot of disparate uh, levels of quality between songs. And, and I'm, you know, it's cool, and that's, you know, of course it's expected, and I still love it, and it still was my first foray into everything, you know, so I have a certain... Um, a certain affection for it, but uh, certain things on it when I hear it's like, oh, you know, right, I just wish, right. wish I could do that over. Yeah. You know? I always feel like that's a sign of artistic growth when you hate your old shit. I say that all the time, but like when you hate your old shit, it just means you're getting better at what you do, obviously. What do you think about the fetishism of youth in the culture right now? Fetishism of youth. I don't even know if I agree that it's there. What, what would you give me? Give me an example. Well, of I think that like nowadays on blogs and stuff, it's always like, Oh, you know, seventeen-year-old rapper doing this, or like, you know, so and so. It's like the if they're young, yeah, the I mean, age is in the headline. Okay, and 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 I think that there's a quest for the youngest and the best, right? But I, I think more, even more than that, there's a fetish for newism. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, and so yeah, okay, if if there's a young kid who's like a fucking um, prodigy, then yeah, that gets headlines. But I think. Uh, I think newism is is the fetish more than youth. I don't I don't see. I mean I don't know. I don't I don't look a lot. Yeah. I really don't look a lot. So yeah. it's hard for me to tell. Honestly. Yeah, you could be uh, exactly right. I can't say that I have uh, spent a lot of time looking at new stuff. So it's hard to say. Which is probably why you write so many goddamn songs. I need to take that advice. Yeah, I mean maybe <laughs> maybe I mean maybe maybe that helps you write smarter songs that you feel like will do better. You know? I don't know because I just <laughs> I just write whatever comes to me, and sometimes it's a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, sometimes it's sometimes it's too much in my own world. Yeah, you know. I talk about Gladwell a lot on this podcast, probably annoyingly. So, have you have you ever read any? I started reading um, not the Tipping Point, the one. What's the one? Outliers. No, what's the other one? Uh, Blink, what the dog saw. Blink. Yeah. I started reading Blink. Blink is his worst one. Put it down and just start out. Well, that's the thing. It's funny because Blink talks about thin slice, and I felt like I thin sliced the book. Yeah, and then I thin sliced all the rest of his. The books. only part, <laughs> the only part that really stuck out to me in Blink was uh, the part about the police brutality. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. But anyways, I mean, I, I come from psychology, so a lot yeah. of that stuff is kind of already yeah ingrained in my. What I was going to talk about in Outliers, he talks about like there are some people that are prodigious youths who peak very early on uh-huh. and spend the rest of their respective careers trying to reach what they did when they were 18. But then something somewhere where I like feel as though I relate to you is that I think both of us keep getting better with age mm. and like, you know, I heard a lot of your early stuff and I was like, I'm going to be honest. Like when we were like 24, 25, when we met, I was like, Oh, Mike's got something, but you got to work on it. Mm. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden it was like, I don't know, like around Oh, nine i was like holy shit mike fucking figured it out you know what i mean and and ever since then i feel like you keep figuring it out a little more with every project try to yeah so tell me about that like do you do you there's something to be said for people who can be in their 30s and still be getting better do you agree with that i feel like you're gonna get better at everything that you continue to do though right i don't i don't see how you can get worse i I, mean i guess nas never made another illmatic yeah but is how about this big daddy kane is only a year older than jay-z that's amazing right so think about this big daddy kane made some amazing music as a very young man jay-z never got put on until big daddy kane's career was starting to to fizzle and now jay-z is still fucking jay-z 44 years old or something and like still kind of a a leader of like the quote-unquote new school while big daddy kane is considered like a rap dinosaur well, I mean, that's just that's that's an exposure issue right there. You're talking about somebody with the majority of his work came out in like the late eighties and early nineties and shit. So like so I mean, so that that contributes to his perception as a dinosaur. And honestly, I don't know if is Big Daddy Kane bad now? Have we heard No, anything? Big Daddy Kane's still dope. He, I mean, is he doper? Because there's okay, like I, don't I look know. at I look at guys like Coogee Rap got doper. Yeah, I agree. I think Slick Rick got doper. I think Pasta News got doper. Yeah, I agree. This is what I think it is. I think um 
if I listen to Kane, right, his early stuff, uh, I think in the situation he was in and the climate that his albums came out in, I think it was easier for him not to think about his music as craft. Uh-huh. I think it was easier for him to just kind of just make stuff and put it out and just kind of be okay because because of his position and and he was good you know he he could he, he could certainly rap his ass off and he was a writer too but um i think as rap has become uh has as it's developed it's gotten to be more about craft and the craft of rapping the craft of writing a song the craft of delivery uh and that's why when you look at the guys who are at the top now like you can't have an mc hammer now you know yeah. what i mean like because you you can't be a top rapper if you can't really rap that well like it's just it's harder to have well, that i mean who do you think <laughs> who, who, who would you say i mean i would say that like modern day mc hammers uh-huh. are like the one-off internet hits you know what i mean like but see he this was, is no shots because I, I fuck with but, these songs but that's but the like, thing though that we, you're talking about one hit wonders now that's not what i'm talking about yeah. i'm talking about mc hammer was a guy who had like two three albums in a row go platinum like multi-times platinum you know what i mean he wasn't a one-hit wonder at he had all two he had the first one and then two legit to quit and i think after that was pumps in a bump and that didn't go anywhere i feel like there's one in between there maybe too. even pumps in a bump did well yeah you know what i mean he still- shout out shout out to his banana hammock and <laughs> he was killing it <laughs> biker shorts. he was killing it no it wasn't even biker shorts it was a straight fucking I speedo thought he had a bu- it was a speedo oh, wow. yeah okay. it was right. that was on the box they wouldn't play that on <laughs> They wouldn't play that on MTV because there was too much man meat. Yeah. Um, do you feel comfortable in knowing that there's something to be said with getting put on later in life? I don't really know what that means. What, what is getting put on me? What is getting put I on me? I don't know. Like, what I'm saying is good things are going to come to you. I foresee that. I can feel it. I have a, it's on the nose, but I have a slight intuition that good, <laughs> good things are going to come to you. And so what I'm saying is like the, the things that are happening now in your, your tide shift that you feel and that I, or that I'm, that I hope you feel that I see I, happening. Yeah, I do definitely. you think you would have been able to handle that as a 23 year old? Um, yes. Honestly, I had more energy for it then. uh, it's one thing that's funny when I do listen to my first album that I really like, I feel, I feel very strongly that at that, at that time, I honestly thought I was going to change the world. I really honestly in my heart felt like I was going to do some shit that was, I I remember I tweeted or, or I, I, I think I put it on Facebook or something. I put it on uh, like last year I was saying, I felt like when I made my first record that, um, that I was going to put it out and that like Chuck Klosterman was going to be writing about me. You know what I mean? I thought I was going to be that important and had that much force culturally. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think, you know, I could use some of that now. You know what was I mean? Was it anticlimactic? It wasn't so much anticlimactic as it was learning. It's, it's the rubber meeting the road of what I do and what the world is. I, and a lot of that ended up getting reflected in Natural Causes record. Um, I had some people say to me that they were surprised that I got so like into like racial and race concepts because when I made my art rap record that I thought, you know, that I, that I thought was going to change the world, most of the uh, feedback that I got from people encountering me was that like they, they were people were surprised I was black. They weren't they didn't know if they were ready for a rapper who spoke well, like all this like real like racist shit, you know, that people didn't realize was race, like the institutional yeah. racism thing. And so I ended up reflecting a lot of that in my next record, like a lot of the frustration based on that is because, oh, I found like, you know, even if despite the fact that my album wasn't perfect, you know what I mean, that I had this whole other obstacle of racial perception to deal with before anything like I wanted to happen could happen. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah. encountering that, you know? Yeah. Listening to you on Marin and listening to Bus on The Champs, uh, two podcasts that I actually consistently listen to. So any anything that I say right now that might sound negative, I think uh, both of those podcasts are excellent what they do and I love them. But I, I felt like Marin was so fucking out of his element with you because he couldn't grasp the fact that there were like black rappers that don't talk about you know the same thing that all fucking white people think rappers talk about right. and like bitches hoes gold chains and guns whatever like that's kept that kept seeming to be this thing that he couldn't get past you know what i mean he was struggling with it yeah. he was struggling with his own perception of but what that's it, you know but that's what amazes me is that like that is really a representation of like what people actually think yeah you know what i'm saying that's yeah crazy. No, i mean you know i i tour a lot dude you'd be fucking surprised the type of shit that people say or do or you know it's it's this is still, you know, it's America. This is a white country. Do you ever get people saying, like, you're my favorite black rapper? 
Yeah, I mean, not it's not that it happens like super overtly that much anymore, but you know, you 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 can you can clearly. See. I mean, even if somebody says some shit like. I don't usually like rap, but I like you. A lot of times, there's some shit that's under that's that. innately racist. Yeah, it's it's a lot, a lot of times that's what they're saying is I, that like I get that a ton, obviously yeah. as a white person, and I fucking hate it. Yeah, I hate it because I'm like you're not listening to. I mean, you're just not hearing it. Then you know what I mean. Right. Um, it surprised me even with like bus on the champs. Like these are two dudes who are supposedly. I mean, who were those two dudes? I haven't heard the champs. Moshe Kasher. He's he was. Oh the, God, that's a stand up dude, right? Yeah, co creator of Chappelle Show. He's kind of a f- new stand up, but yeah. he's an old TV writer. Um, and then uh, oh no, Moshe Kasher and um, Neil Brennan is the um, is the Dave Chappelle. Does Neil dude. Brennan say the N word on that show? He occasionally. Why? Well, that's the thing is. I don't want to sit and like fucking talk any shit, but like I said, you know, he's, he's the co-creator of the Chappelle show and he talks about it and he's, you know, he says, I have enough black friends. Where, Did like, he they say when Bus Driver was on? Maybe. I can't remember. I mean, they, you know, all of their guests, every episode, their guest is black and the N-bomb gets dropped occasionally. Oh my God. I couldn't imagine, dude. Yeah. I couldn't fucking imagine. Like that shit would make my skin crawl. Like, yeah, I'm glad that I have friends like you and James that like really keep people in check about that because like it's hard in LA though. If, I mean, it's easier for me. There are so many people that inappropriately drop the M bomb that don't need to be doing that. Ugh. Yeah, I could go on forever, but you know, like I said, I'm from Chicago, dude. Like it just wasn't. It's not some shit that happened. You know what I mean? Like if it wasn't fucking colloquial, it wasn't fucking a nice thing to say. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like it just it's still like it will always affect me like that. Like it's funny. Yeah. Like. I do understand that, like, there is a certain enlightenment that can take place and everybody can let go of the word eventually and it can become Reclaim its meaning or what have you, is what people say. <laughs> yeah, which is, to me, is ridiculous. But I, I don't think it could ever happen until after I die because I'm going to be the last one. I'll be the last dude that mm-hmm. still gets mad. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it just, it'll, it'll have to be after me, you know? Did you grow up early on recognizing, like, racial inequality? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, do you I have any specific up, memories that you're like, oh, wait, this is fucking racism. I mean, I just grew up in the hood and, and then, you know, and then I, I ended up going to an elementary school that was mostly white. And then, you know, there was just a big world of difference. And, and, and then, you know, people just used to do shit all the time. It was just like fucking racist. Like, I'll never forget, man. This one time I was in I was in Vegas traveling with my dad. My dad used to travel the country um, like had like a sales team. So like this aloe vera shit. And they used yeah. to travel all around the country. And um, we were in like some convention in Vegas. Ended up hanging around with this little white, with this white boy. Um, probably around the same age. It was probably like 10, maybe. And it was the kind of thing where adults are in meetings all day. And me and him just running around playing arcade games and hide and seek all through the damn hotel and swimming and shit. And um, something happened and he just stopped and called me a nigger. <laughs> like, wow. you know what I mean? Like, and and it, just, it just hit me like a ton of bricks because he... Cause he said it, cause he knew it would hurt my feelings. Yeah, you know what I mean. And how he knew that at that age, I had no idea. It's a hot button. Yeah, you know what I mean. But it's like, damn, like that was probably my first time that, like, I was like, oh my god, like somebody actually like. And that was at what age? Seven or eight? Probably, I would say like ten, oh, nine, 10. ten years yeah, old, something yeah. like that. That's crazy. Yeah. If you were uh, raised in the hood, as you said, what mm-hmm. what was it that got you into like the white elementary school? How did your parents choose that school? Or like, was there some, you know, a busing funny, situation? Dude. Yeah, because I didn't even want to go. Um, I had a hard time with like transferring and shit. My uh, my grandparents who raised me always wanted me to transfer to like better school. I didn't understand at the time the school I was in going to that was like the middle of the projects was like a bad school. Yeah. And even the teachers would tell them in conferences that I should be in a better school. You know what I mean? It's just mm-hmm. like it was recognized that you were like a talented kid very early. Yeah. On. That I caught, you know, smart, I was, you know, always knew all the answers and shit. Early you know reader I mean? probably. Yeah. All of that type yeah, shit. Yeah. All of that type yeah. shit. So, so yeah, like they ended up having me take this test to go to the school that was like across town. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? So I started yeah taking a bus. They had like a magnet program, so they bus kids from the south side up to the north side to go to the school. And looking back on that, are you happy that happened? Uh, yes. I mean, I still have friends from then. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the music that I like still to this day, you know, I and uh, experienced or came into contact with at that time. Uh, I'm not sure how much of it depended on me being at that school. But you know what? That school was a better school. Yeah. Like, without a doubt. Like, that school, you know, was teaching young kids how to think critically. You uh-huh. know, and, like, doing logic puzzles and, you know, just, you know, it, it was, it set me up to be a thinker. Uh-huh. So, you know, and and I probably wouldn't have gotten that. At, now, one thing I did get at that school in the projects was a very strong racial identity. We used to have like the eyes on the prize. You ever seen eyes on the prize? No. It's like this documentary series 
that it was just like a civil rights documentary series. And I remember like, I think in all black schools, they used to show it, you know, and then, uh, you know, Black History Month was like a real thing where like every day they would bring in this new thing to show us, you know what I mean? Um, and it was, you know, in the 80s, there was still a strong sense from from our teachers of that kind of pride. And so they instilled that in us, you know what I mean? So um, I had to trade some of that for sure. But, you know, what I gained at this other school was, like I said, some critical thinking. They had like philosophy classes for fifth graders. Wow. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. It was great for a developing brain, you know, developing mind. Yeah, this question might be like way off base, but it's something that just struck me while you're saying it. Like... I'm sure you felt some like weird racial tension going to the white school, but then when you would get bus back home, back into the hood, did you feel any tension from that too? Where kids were like, "Oh, you fucking," you nah. know, like, "Oh, you go to a good school and shit." Nah, no, nothing like that. Yeah, because in my mind, it was you know like it wasn't like something that really came up. You yeah, know what I mean, like we used to play the kids in our building. We always used to play. We all went to different schools anyway, oh, like, okay. so it wasn't like a thing. Like yeah, that. what were you guys into early on? Like the kids? Yeah, entertainment-wise. Or like just like what did you do for fun? Played Nintendo. Yeah. And then we played in the playground outside the building. That was my interaction with neighborhood kids was Nintendo and the playground. And that yeah. Was it. What games were you fucking with? Every, shit, everything on Nintendo. Fucking Battletoads. Oh, yeah. Blaster, Ma- whatever. Master you know, Blaster? The, yeah. Or, you know, everything. Everything on, on 8-Bit Nintendo, dude. Yeah. Like, I fucking loved Master Blaster. That Clash of was... Demon Head. Goddammit. <laughs> Low G-Man. <laughs> you ever what, heard of that shit? Um, what about Summer Games? Or wait, what? No, California Games. California Games. Ooh, the hacky yeah. sack, though. Yeah, you ever fuck with... Uh, Power pad, you know what I mean? Yeah, that but shit, we, the track we, and field. Yeah, and but the that. power pad, we would just get down. Yeah, exactly, down, exactly. Pound that shit like For it was sure. Congo, like bongo drums. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Um, what kind of early music did you get into early on? Uh, my mom introduced me to rap music. Yeah. Um, but one thing I can always say is that I think growing up in the '80s. Being in environments where I got sat in front of a TV a lot. Yeah, same. Like, my mom was in all kind of weird shit. Um, Dad traveled a lot. Um, So, I mean, hotel rooms, even at home, even, you know, my grandparents, they both worked when I was living with them. So, you know, sitting in front of TV a lot. Yeah. And and in the 80s, music videos are developing, and, and that's becoming a big thing. And so I always was exposed to all kinds of different music mm-hmm. always i can remember like i think the earliest video i remember seeing was um simply reds i keep holding on oh, yeah. you know what i mean like damn it's a great song you know i'm like fucking like five yeah. and some shit you know I, what I, mean? I always say the first video that i remember and it probably has led so much to my fucking pervert personality is uh california girls by david lee Roth. Oh, it was a great video Woo! That was a great bikinis in that though. It was. It was. It was great. That's a great song too. It is. Yeah. You can't. You can't fuck with a Beach Boys cover. I like David Lee Roth. Yeah. He's just a gigolo. That was my shit. Diamond dude. Dave. Yo. You know, uh, rappers could learn a lot from Diamond Dave. I think rappers have learned too much from Diamond Dave. <laughs> True already. That. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. I mean, like it's so. You know, rap is in my environment. R and B is in my environment. My mom listened to Anita Baker constantly in Sade. My grandparents listened to fucking doo-wop in 70s singer-songwriter shit. Did you ever go through like a militant public enemy phase? No, I no? never did. I never did. I was always super uh, attracted to the native tongues thing. Yeah. So like I did have, you know, my dashiki and my African medallion. But that was mostly because my family was, you know, really had a black consciousness, especially when I was with my dad. Like we always had that kind of like black consciousness thing. So, But I was always attracted to them because they wore that kind of shit and then the music was real jazzy and I was always really attracted to like jazzier samples more than like the funk and the straight ahead like the, yeah. the big beat shit yeah you know? same I remember when I heard award tour for the first time yeah, that made yeah, me like yeah. I was probably like in junior high and that made me want to like go back and listen to the earlier shit and, like, I heard that shit on the fucking radio dude like this, yeah I, this saw the, Chicago, I saw the video yeah Chicago like dance station B96 played it I was like what, the, what? this is crazy this is, this is amazing and I don't know like this might sound weird but you know what really attracted me to award tour was in the video I thought Pasanus looked so fucking alternative because he had that full beard with uh, the yeah. shaved head. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, that dude looks smart as fuck. Like, <laughs> I want to go, go listen to his music. You know what I'm saying? I, like, I, I love 93, man, for all of the Native Tongues groups. I love 93. I love yeah. the Moon Mind State, Midnight Marauders. Uh, JB's with the Remedy is like my favorite Jungle Brothers record. Like, yeah. I really think that's when their shit peaked. You know yeah, yeah. Mean? That's great. The 93 shit. Word. I heard on Marin you talk about like your mom being in some trouble. Is that anything that you ever delve into? It was weird, dude. Like we um uh, 
we were involved in a um, Hebrew Israelite sect when I was very, very young. Yeah. Uh, Those are like the guys that like stand on the street and yell yeah, at they people. Dressed like He-Man and shit. Yeah. Like that's the ones out here. We were in, I can't remember if this was in Illinois or if it was in Texas. I feel like it was in Chicago. Oh, you were living in Texas for a while? Yeah, but. Where at? Corpus Christi. Okay. But um, that had to do more with what my mom, like my mom ended up, I think from that, maybe not, maybe it was even not related to that, but they were into some ill shit too, the Hebrew Israelites. I remember there being some weird shit with that. Uh, weird, weird legal shit with that. Like, is but, it kind of uh, culty or something? No, it was kind of like I think some money laundering shit going yeah. on with that. Yeah, uh, I never really got too deep into it, but uh-huh. uh, it was some shadiness. And then um, she ended up being with a dude. I think they got married. I can't remember, but um, he was like a big time drug dealer, oh, big okay. time dude. And she was like helping him out. I think all she might have been doing was like answering the phone for him or some yeah. shit. But like when the things were like. And I got, you know, I got arrested with her. You know, well, I didn't get arrested, but I was with her when she got arrested. So you had to get taken in and everything. Uh, I think I just had to get picked up. Um, I think I got picked up on the scene. Wow, was it like um, people barged in the door or something? No, nah, we were in a car chase. Get the fuck yeah, out! How old were you? Chase. I had to be. It was before I started. Before I started first grade. Wow, dude. Because yeah, she was in jail when I was in first grade. And do you remember it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, what? What is that like as a fucking four or five year old? Uh, I mean, we. She got arrested. She got taken away. Um, I spent a lot of time with my grandparents anyway because my mom was just kind of like, I mean, she's she's a smart lady. Uh, she's together now. It's like all oh, this shit's cool. But she was she was a, a, a kind of young, crazy eighties person. Yeah, you know what I mean, like she had like MC Hammer kind of haircut with lines in the side. And yeah, shit. Like, yeah. She was in fashion. Like she was she used to she had actually made clothes for like one of R. Kelly's earliest videos. Get like, out. Yeah, she That's was dope. she was she was like super artistic, but she was kind of partying and kind of you know all this other shit right so you know i don't even remember i know she got taken away and um like then the next thing i knew basically i was out of texas and i was living back with my grandparents in chicago oh so the car chase was in texas car, i think the car chase if i remember correctly the car chase was in texas That's that crazy. was in corpus christi so that but was dad in chicago the whole time no dad has been in la pretty much my the whole entire time life, yeah how did your folks meet uh i think that company that he worked for daughter i think she used to work for it too and it was kind of just like some ships passing the night shit. Like they were never married. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just a it was just a thing. Yeah. So you stayed with uh, mom's side of the family yep. more as a kid. Mm-hmm. Are you close to dad's side now? Yeah, I got. Yeah, I was. I'd always been close to both parents and both parents' families. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things that um that strikes me is I don't know if it's maybe like uh, telling or symbolic, but like you seem like a strong family man now. You got a great wife. Got a kid. Do you feel like um, being from a kind of like rocky home situation as a kid has made you try to like keep it okay keep it. i think there were rocky aspects to it but i think like my grandparents were super stable they were stable super stable yeah. and when i think back of all the kids that were in my building even like this was a building that was basically kind of for not for retired people but there was a lot of old retired people in the building yeah and all of the kids lived with their grandparents like the fucking crack shit man that shit hit the black community hard, hard. and like yeah. my parents generation got fucking decimated you know what i mean and so there's a lot of like absentee you know like i had an uncle that died yeah we were that perfect age where it's like like, it was the the crack thing heroin thing our parents would have been like at the perfect age to use exactly and they were coming from the 70s yeah where to my understanding it was used to be really easy to try drugs and put them down yeah everything was kind of mild and coke was glamorous coke was around and coke was everywhere people did coke but then like when it got boiled down to crack forms like all of them got boiled down to heroin form all of a sudden shit just got you hooked instantly and changed your life so like Everybody in that generation, like, you know, my parents' generation, uncles and aunts on both sides of the family that got fucked up off of drugs and disappeared, basically, before they actually physically died. Yeah. And so, like I said, that that part was unstable. But my grandparents, a lot of other people's grandparents held held it down. down. Yeah. Held it down. Held me down. Like, a lot of my values came from my grandparents. Right. Right. Um, How did you and Tiff meet? Uh, We met at a conference for... For trans African nationalism at UCLA. What does that mean? Uh, like people who wanted to like be involved in pro African politics or pro diaspora politics, but that were out here. That's still big words. Um, uh, <laughs> like break it down to the layman. Okay, you know what the diaspora is? Uh, no, I've always pronounced it diaspora, so probably I, I probably don't. <laughs> it's basically like the combined 
lineage of like African people from the continent to wherever they got put. Okay. Like that combined thing is called the diaspora. So basically people who still wanted to, people who still think, think that way and want to be plugged into that kind of, uh, struggle. Yeah. We were at, it was a conference. So it's like, it's more to like learn about your heritage and where your roots originate. Not not to learn about it as much as to continue to be involved in the goings on of, of African people everywhere. Okay. That's like probably a strong political phase of your life. Yeah. I would say coming out of college, especially I was like, you know, I was in college. I was definitely that dude. Like that was the dude who hosted all the poetry readings and went to all of the, every student group meeting and president of this and secretary of that. Like definitely I was like an organizer kind of dude. Yeah. You know? I'm much more cynical now. You were uh, idealistic then. Yeah. And optimistic too. Yeah. And I'm not as optimistic now. Like I still uh, believe like basically, I think the basic problem right now, where I used to think it was the, the problems were more racial. Um, I think the problems now, in terms of human society, are more uh, collectivist versus individualist. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like people who think communally and people who just go for self. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And yeah. so, like, and and being that I think that's the main issue, I have a harder time understanding what can be done about it, just because, especially the American machine, it just makes rugged individualists, and it kind of perpetuates and it's just really difficult for me to imagine what it's going to take to get people to stop thinking like that mm-hmm. you know? when you met your wife instant click or what yeah yeah, yeah pretty much yeah we met we, we talked and then we went to this after party thing that was at chaos network oh really yeah and then so we you took her to the blood for your first date well basically <laughs> i didn't even know it was going to be there you yeah. know what i mean we just happened to go and that's where it was and yeah that was it the rest was history you know how long till you guys are married we met in late 04. We got married in June of 06. That's so crazy. I have a, this um, shameful fucking story that I don't know if you know, but the first time I ever met Tiffany, I had no idea that you were dating anyone. Oh, boy. And uh, I, was at, I was out some show, some weird fucking show, but I know like Dumb was there and Lyra Flip was there and I know you were there and Ooh. you guys might have been before me, it was like at a, but it was like at an auditorium type thing. Oh, was it that church in Koreatown? No, nah, it wasn't okay. a church in Koreatown. It was something college-y. Uh, it might have been a rap battle. I think it was a rap battle. That's what it was. That like Oh, lit- in Irvine, that one? Yeah, it yeah, was yeah, in yeah, Irvine. Yeah, I was okay. living in Santa Barbara still, so like Irvine made no sense to me. And I, think, <laughs> I think we all went to like Dave and Buster's afterwards or something. Something. Yeah, huh? but anyways, I was I was standing with James and Anastasia and up walks this pretty girl and she says something to Anastasia and I said something like smart-assy like, to like try and hit on her. And then she's like, dude, shut up. That's Mike's girlfriend. And I said, oh, shit. I'm so, I'm so sorry. I had no idea and so ever since then i've always been trying to like backpedal with, <laughs> like quietly in the back of my head like back right. like i'm so sorry tiffany like been, like seven years, yeah, back seven years, years ago because i still feel like an fantastic. asshole for that you were backpedaled like smooth off of the planet at this point you can come back it's okay i, still, it's okay. I just still feel like an asshole no but i i, I love you guys this family dynamic and I, her fucking facebook post about asa i always tell you this they crack me up yeah, dude. No. your son has so much character he's insane he's a lunatic man what was it like when you guys found out you had you had baby on board she planned it yo she planned it yeah yeah you guys had it planned out yeah because she needed to do it in a certain way to be able to like work it in with with work yeah with her semester because you know she's a professor and shit so like planned it to like conceive this date to have it this date she could take this semester off and to do the next semester uh working from home yeah and it just worked out. And it perfect. worked. It worked perfect. Man, strong seeds. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, strong, most people aren't strong that lucky. Eggs, too. Yeah. Most people. Most people aren't that lucky. Like, oh yeah, that's great. What does she teach? Sociology. Sociology. Yeah. That that seems like a good fit because I'm sure you have a lot of theories on sociology as well. That, we that, just fight. We fight on that. Yeah. We fight on that because I'm psychology and she's sociology and yeah. those those two disciplines are at odds constantly. So we we both try to describe everything as I describe everything as psychological. She describes everything as sociological, and of course the truth is somewhere in the middle. But yeah, absolutely. It was like we we ride for our disciplines. Yeah. You guys think you're gonna work on it anymore? No. 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 This is it. Yeah, that's it. What's it like watching your son grow up? It's amazing. Uh, it's, you know, now, I mean, he's, when he was a baby, um, you just kind of think about him as a, you know, a, a, a tiny developing, like, little you. But now he's, like, his own small person. And that's the interesting part now yeah. to see, like, his own personality traits, um, you know, and, and just his own particular leanings. Are they a combination of the two of you often? Uh, I don't know. I don't, it's, it's the, the jury's still out on a lot of it. Really? Because, uh, you know, just fucking four-year-olds are crazy, man. <laughs> crazy. Like, the they have these language skills. Yeah. 
But then they got these weird wills and desires. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? So they can say the most eloquent, insane shit all yeah. the time. Like what I would I would imagine with having two smart parents, he's probably like a young gifted kid as well, which makes the outlandish shit that he says even more kind of poignant or something. It does. You know? It does. Yeah. He says he says really insane things. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, what do you see in her in him? Um it's hard to say. Uh, it's hard to even say what I see in me in him. I mean, he's he's really well. He likes bus driver raps. Well, she does too. There you go. Oh, okay, so yeah. that could be that's a that's a shared trait. You know what I mean? Yeah. All, all three of us <laughs> like bus driver. I don't, you know, it, it's 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 hard. It's really hard to quantify right now. It's yeah. really hard to quantify because he's, you know, he he has his own relationship to a lot of stuff. You know, and and we present him with these different stimuli, but like his positive or negative response it's it's all right now it seems to be him i think as he develops we'll start to see a little bit more of ourselves but right now it's like you know it seems to be an independent being yeah yeah what's a day in mike eagle's life like when he's at home what day of the week we talking here oh you have your day scheduled like that uh well we got to say weekday versus weekend let's go weekday okay weekday monday through thursday is different from friday how so? Um, well, Monday through Thursday, wife's working, kids at school. So um, I you, take you drop him off, or yes, she does. I drop him off, pick him up every day. Yeah. Um, he's in school from like eight thirty to four or something like that, and so that's my that's my work day. That's that's all of my creation and uh, career maintenance. Mm-hmm. You know, everything I have to do, I do. Do you write better in the mornings or the afternoons? I write better. I don't know. I, I just write better when I have a good idea, and it yeah. doesn't matter when it is. Um, sometimes I find I write better out of my house. Yeah, same. Then what's a Friday like? Uh, Friday, okay. Uh, he just started a new school, so he's actually going to school Fridays now. But before that, we will all be at home because she doesn't work on Fridays. On Fridays. So, so that's family day. Chill day, yeah. Yeah. Chill day. Um, yeah. Now she's at home still, but he's at school, so me and her chill. You know, unless, but then, you know, we end up running errands and shit too. But like, don't chill too hard. You might end up with another ace. No, we won't. You know, I'm about to surgically take care of that Are shit you? in a minute. Oh, man. Very soon. It's, oh, man, it's such a crazy age because, like, I haven't started on a family yet, obviously, but a, a lot of my close friends have and are all considering the snip. Yeah, man. And it's just such a, cra- such a crazy concept. It's, it's a crazy concept to me, too, but I keep uh, saying it over and over again to myself so it's less crazy. Yeah. Because yeah. it's, it's, it's absolutely insane. It's ludicrous. Yeah. It's so crazy. Yeah. Um, I don't want any kind of surgery around my balls ever, but it's like that's where I'm headed on purpose. Like I'm deciding for myself to go get ball surgery. Yeah. I remember like the debacle that was my dad's. Um, oh, God. I don't know if I want to hear this. When I was a kid. Well, no, it wasn't a debacle. I just know it was started a family fight or it started a parental fight as a child because like my parents, they have me and my younger brother. Mm-hmm two boys they wanted to try one more time and see if they could get a girl but i apparently my mom was like kind of dilly-dallying about like whether or not like when to do it you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. and my dad was kind of compulsive i guess and he also worked at a clinic in the air force so like knew all the pas and people that could perform the surgery uh and like one day just came home and was like hey i got my vasectomy sorry damn and like all high on fucking percocets or whatever they give you shit And, and my mom's like what the fuck why did you do that i thought we were gonna try Wow. And he's like, oh, there's no turning back. Well, they're reversible now. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's fucking <laughs> in his sick. He's almost 60, so I doubt they can reverse that. He's done. Yeah, yeah. But I always thought that was funny. But I'm glad that my parents didn't have a daughter because my brother and I would have had to get in gotten in so many more fights. Oh, I bet. You know? I bet. I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I, I don't, I hate to be, you know, gender centric, but I'm glad we had a boy. Hey, you know, they say you have a daughter, you have a boy, you only got to worry about one dick. You, you fucking have a daughter, you got to worry about every, <laughs> every dick, dick in the dick. world. <laughs> every dick in the world. Oh, God. Yeah. So, so crude and real. <laughs> I, I have a feeling that life will pay me back by giving me a daughter so that I just oh. have to be scared about her actions at all times. Oh, God. I don't know. So, what's next for you, Mike Eagle? Putting out a record next year. Uh, no, the Hellfire Club tape, Donor vs. Tuki. That's coming out uh, November 5th. And then uh, from there, it's just a fucking steady string of records, man. Um, no Can's dropping, I'm dropping, Milo's dropping, Bus Driver's dropping. Like, we're all going to, we're going to try to fucking, um, put a foot in next year's ass try to do know? that yeah yeah i read the uh the hip-hop dx thing of you and milo and they're like it's not all black people they've got one white mc <laughs> <laughs> no, no i said that oh. i said i said no we put out into it so we're not racist okay we put out That's into so it i tweeted like oh hip-hop dx just called me white i'm offended 
<laughs> man, it's so funny, man. Like now, like this year and like in the last year, I would say, like I've toured with people who have their shit together. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, yeah. fuck, like you know what I mean. I remember, and, like you were a changed man after you went on tour with Aesop Rock. You're like, now I get it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and that wasn't like even touring with Dessa. Like just just did a run with Buck sixty five. Like, and if you just see like, oh, like. So many things have to combine for you to have a real draw. Yeah. You know, and when you have that draw, then now this other shit opens up, you know? But like, like have, what? Like, then the booking agent, you know, is yeah. immediately down. Obviously. If yeah. there's a draw. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? You get all these different um, media opportunities when people know that there are eyes who will watch and ears who will listen. And, right. You know, like, just having people, man, people power, dude. People, I think people power is even more important than money power, really. Yeah, you know, it yeah. used to be. I think that you could just kind of buy your way in. I think you can you can waste a lot of money trying to buy your way in now. You know, you know the thing about your music is that it's geared towards such a specific person. Who? Yeah, that's but, a, that's. Thing. But here's that's the true. thing: is that I think that specific person that it's geared towards, all of those people will eventually catch on to it. You know what I'm saying? And once you have the power of that niche. I think it's going to be a strong thing. That's a, that you know that's that's a that's a conversation that I have with myself a lot though because what naturally comes out of me in my you know quote unquote uh, being prolific is a lot of this stuff that's just dialed into like this, this very niche, dialed you know what I mean and, yeah and it's like we can rewind all of this and go back to that point you know about how how niche it is and that's a very important factor too you know what I mean is it like it, it's only every now and then where I have a bullet that's effective for a mass amount of people right most of my stuff is very narrowly targeted and it's not necessarily on purpose it's just the combined experiences influences of my life when i'm true to them it makes a specific thing yeah and it's not a mass market thing yeah you know well earlier when you mentioned Phila Flava, like uh to those of you who don't know, Mike and I post on this internet forum, shout out to Phila Flava, shout out to Jay Gloss. We've all been on that site now for nearly ten years. Like yeah. I, I um signed up on February first of two thousand four. So in February it'll be my ten year anniversary. I think on I signed in oh seven. Yeah. You were late yeah, yeah. it's crazy yeah, that you were a late comer yeah, and it's still two thousand seven yeah, so long ago. Exactly. Um but uh I think that the the common theme of that website is called it's all kind of rap adults. Right. We're dudes that like we were super into fucking underground rap in the early aughts, mm -hmm. and now here we are as adults, and we still like rap, and we're kind of still adjusting to like what's out there, and and picking and choosing like what what matches our tastes uh, as according to what we grew up with. But the common consensus on that on that fucking forum is that you're pretty goddamn tight, and I think it's because like rap adults can feel your music yeah and, and i think that once every fucking rap adult gets put onto that it's gonna you know just like similar to like shabazz palaces similar okay. similar to like cause doing that right now or how, however you say that dude's name but you know what though i'll tell you something about rap adults yeah um a lot of rap adults are the ones who really 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 enjoy the more juvenile aspects of rap i could feel that and and so like there's well I, and if that's what you value you know what I mean? There's a lot of time there's no real turning you off of that. You know what I yeah. mean? Like if you value hard rapping, like that's all you want to hear is hard rapping. Like you want to hear a guy hollering, like you know what I mean? Yeah. That's not me. You know what I mean? That's right. and that's I think, you know, there's still a there's still a very large amount of the the rap adult population who really likes those kind of foundational things those kind of traditional rap things you yeah know what i mean yeah well and i mean there's some there's some rap adults that like highly grasp onto like ignorance rap type shit yeah, yeah, or like yeah. you know the 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 like straight turn up shit that's yeah that's exactly what i mean which is fine but the thing is i think there's a lot of rap adults i'm i'm a rap adult but I'm, i feel like to think of myself as a as a well-rounded rap adult where i do like to go out to a party and listen to waka flocka but i like to come home and put on headphones and listen yeah. to you know something that is a little bit more soothing but you know but there's some rap adults who turn up all day to turn up on the way to work to turn yeah. up at home you know what yeah, i mean true. like that's the office space dude just yeah rolling. like that is a real person <laughs> yeah, that really i've is. met that guy over and over again you know what i mean like yeah, and yeah. that's the reality of the situation too is that some people just aren't into any rap that's not yeah that, yeah you know like the double-edged sword of it is is like people that get into you you're going to become their favorite rapper period hmm. but it's like finding those people that that where you're going to be their end all be all. It's like 
that niche. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But there's a balance. There's going to be a balance because no one's ever going to be neutral about you. You know what I mean? That's uh, true. And I think that's that good. True? I think it's good to be polarizing. I should be more polarizing, though. You should. I, be. I, I'm, I'm down to be more polarizing. I think you should just like have a, go go through a militant phase and fucking let's get let's start a race war. No, I want to start a race. Want to start a class war? No, uh, something. I do want to start there some is kind a, of war. Yeah, there should be start a, cla- a fucking awareness. There war. should be a class war. Yes. Yeah, oh, you know, that's just coming. Probably. I need to learn some skills then, because I don't know how to <laughs> fucking grow nothing or fucking. <laughs> Did you ever read World War Z? No. The movie is horrible, but the book is great because, like, all the rich people, basically, when the zombies come and they have to start society over, it's, like, all the rich people realize they can't do shit and they're having to, like, literally take, like, janitorial classes oh, and yeah. stuff like that because it's, like, they don't even know how to clean, let alone, like, you know, the, the people that thrive the most are, like, dudes that are, like, living in the cabins and know how to build exactly. shit, you know what I mean? Yeah, we got to get our hands dirty and learn how to build For something. For real. I just, you know, I've been trying to grow some plants in my house, man. It's, it's, not, it's not going well. <laughs> you got a green thumb? <laughs> well, I, I, my mind is on it, but I leave town too much. Honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you trying much. to grow? Some fresh basil? I just love saying basil. No, I just got these different little plants and shit. I couldn't even tell you the name. Collius is one of them. I don't know. I'm just buying seeds, like mm. trying to grow shit. I thought you were going to be like, oh, no, just these like different little plants like OG bubble kush. <laughs> <laughs> shit, I should. You know what I mean? <laughs> Anyways, man, um, we're going to play a show together on Sunday. Yes, we are. This won't come out till afterwards. Oh, no, so. shit. <laughs> so if you guys came to the show, hopefully you had a good time, and I thank you for tuning in. What song are you going to perform for us today, Mike? Uh, looks like Picture day man this is one of my favorite songs of 2013 i actually i heard a demo of it in the studio that we're sitting in right now and i emailed mike or texted him and was like yo dude you have to send me that song so i can listen to it in the car because i love it so much um so i'm stoked that you're performing that on here tell the people where they can find you online mr mike eagle uh mike eagle.net is my portal to everything i I just saw your cover page today it looks really nice thank you who designed that uh young diana from culture kick you know diana yeah 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 diana she's amazing dude she did a great job yeah she takes she takes a lot of my pictures she, shout she does out to a lot diana my, yeah. for for really pimping out your your web page it she looks did that. looks pretty she did that she's um, awesome fuck with her for any any of your graphic needs man there you go so if you go to mikeeagle.net there's a little bar underneath that has all the social media outlets dozens and dozens he's on like tumblr and kick and, and linkedin <laughs> and black planet and myspace <laughs> he's everywhere um yeah man thank you for coming in i appreciate thank you it. thanks for having me dude it's been a long time coming it has been a long time coming i've been trying to be patient to, to space it out because no, you're yeah. always such a busy dude it makes sense man yeah, yeah. And, and you know plus you know we know each other yeah so. we do know each other so it's one of those things where i can just get you know like come in and let's just do it in our boxer shorts what yep. no uh um, yes <laughs> in our banana hats <laughs> Uh, my name is Lee. You guys might know me as Intuition, and you can follow me on Twitter at It's Intuition. You can follow my man behind the boards, Ben Shim, making the shit sound buttery at, ben, I, at I Am Database. The two of us need look no more. <laughs> <laughs> Facebook.com slash kinda neat. Just go like the shit. It's very low effort, and you probably won't ever see any of the posts pop up in your timeline. You can find Mike performing on YouTube.com slash That's Kind of Neat and follow us as a unit on Twitter at That's Kind of Neat. Everything is wrapped up in a pretty package on KindOfNeat.net and this social media rant is way too long and I'm sorry I'm going to figure out how to make it shorter. Mike, thank you for coming in. Thank you for having me. This was Kind of Neat. It was. (laughs) 